All right, everybody, before we dive into today's episode, we are brought to you by two headline sponsors, the first one being Elite Sweets. Elite Sweets is redefining the way we think about sweets with their Elite Donuts. The Elite Donut is a better-for-you donut that is packed with 13 grams of protein. They're gluten-free, keto-friendly, and contain only one gram of sugar. These have become a staple in our house as we look to have a healthy diet and want products that if we do feel like having that sweet or you know having a cheat meal or just a cheat snack, um, something that's not going to completely ruin our diet. So Elite Sweets have become that. Uh, it's a donut. It tastes delicious. It tastes just like those shitty donuts that you're used to growing up, except these ones are, are high in protein, gluten-free, they're keto-friendly for all you keto dieters out there. And most importantly, in my mind, uh, they only contain one gram of sugar. So get yours today at EliteDonut.com or on Amazon. If you use code ShaneWhite30 at checkout, you'll get 30% off your order. And that code works on both Amazon and EliteDonut.com. Again, that code is ShaneWhite30, all one word, and you'll get 30% off your order. Today's episode is also brought to you by Routine. When we sleep, we lose between a pound and a pound and a half of water, mostly just from sweating while you sleep, which is something I did not know before I started working with the guys over at Routine. They've come up with a product that they call Morning Routine. It's a single-serve packet that I take every morning, and it contains half an organic lemon, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, Himalayan sea salt, all six essential electrolytes, and most importantly, no sugar. Most people wake up, they grab that cup of coffee first thing in the morning. What most people don't realize is if you wake up dehydrated, which is easy to do when you, uh, when you wake up from a, a long night's sleep, uh, your body sweats and expels a lot of vapors while you're sleeping. Instead of grabbing that cup of coffee, try grabbing a morning routine packet. Each of these, as I mentioned, uh, is made up of all these great ingredients that helps rehydrate you in the morning, get your metabolism going once again. Uh, I just take one of these little, there's little single serve packets, tear one open, throw it into, you know, just a shaker bottle or 20 ounces of water, shake it up and drink it. First thing in the morning, you feel a difference. You really do feel hydrated again. You can tell the difference when you use the product and then go off of it again, the difference you feel first thing in the morning. Routine, trusted ingredients, made convenient. You can go to yourroutine.com and use code ShaneWhite30. Again, Shane White 30, same coupon code as the last brand, Elite Suites. If you use code Shane White 30 at checkout on yourroutine.com, you can get 30% off your first order. All right, everybody. I have a great guest coming up next, and I will talk to you in just a second. everybody welcome to another episode of the shane white show i'm pumped today to have cody wittick from kinship on the podcast cody what's up man welcome to the show what's up shane how's it going it's going well man pleasure having you you on i know we've had a, we've had one conversation before this and loved it so i'm pumped to to learn more about what you do man um for everyone listening who doesn't know you or doesn't know what kinship is would you mind giving everyone just a quick <laughs> elevator p speech pitch whatever you want to call it of uh you know, not a quick pitch. rundown. Yeah, not a pitch. Just a little overview of what Kinship is. Yeah. Um, we're an influence marketing agency in 
I used to always say located in Orange County, California, but that was like, hasn't been the case since 2020. So, oh yeah, uh, right. we're fully remote. Um, I am in Orange County, California. Um, but yeah, we're, um, influence marketing agency servicing D2C e-commerce brands with a physical product. So pretty much a lot of people. Um, yeah. and yeah, man, it's been, been a lot of fun. We've been around for like four or so years. Oh, it's been a pretty long time. I didn't realize it's been that long. Um, and so for people listening who don't know what influencer marketing is, can you give everyone the, the dumbed down version of what that is? Yeah. So I feel like I'm talking to my extended family now. Um, <laughs> That's exactly like, what, do you what do? is this? Yeah. Is it, why is that always the case? What do you do? I'm in marketing. Yeah, what do you do? What does that no mean? No idea what that means. Um, when I try to explain people like selling stuff on Amazon and helping brands. It's like talking like way over their head half time. I'm like, it's really not that complicated. It's just all the stuff you buy. You know what I mean? At least people have anyway. heard of Amazon though. That's I, fair. I would hope. I would yeah. hope. <laughs> um, uh, influencer marketing. I mean, traditional probably definition is that it's, this is not what we do, but it's uh, utilizing influencers or people with social media following um, to take advantage of their audience. Uh, you'll notice like that's a very transactional language, but usually you're talking about people with a social media following um, you know, probably five to 10,000 and above, uh, there's different tiers of influencers too, but, okay. Yeah. Um, you're, you're getting someone to promote a product or service on their social media platforms. That's like, kind of like the most basic version of influencer marketing, um, because they have an highly engaged audience. So you're trying to work with those people. Um, I mean, it'd probably be helpful to give like context influence marketing, like that term didn't really come around until like 2014, 2015, kind of with the rise of Instagram. So like yeah. Instagram kind of made influencer marketing that term, like that wasn't a, even a search term until then. Oh, really? Um, I was gonna say, yeah. cause before Instagram was, there wasn't really a platform that people did influencer marketing on, was there? Cause Facebook wasn't yeah. like that. You didn't like follow people that were famous. Well, you did. I just, I just don't think they didn't call it influencer marketing. It was called, okay. you know, working with celebrity talent or pop stars or like these different things like that. I think the rise of social media gave rise to the term, what is now called influencer marketing before then mm. it was, you know, product placement or, you know, working with celebrities or talent or, um, yeah, whatever the case may be, but you're, you're also trying to work with them on platforms like TV or commercials or newspaper or magazines, like all these sure. different things, you know, it just wasn't, and maybe even like go back to early two thousands with like bloggers on, you know, promoting things on their individual blogs or websites. Uh, but no one called it influencer marketing back then. Got so, it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause blogging did blogging then turn into what is a lot of social media like is that still a thing i guess like is, is blogging as big of a thing in your world as it used to be yeah i mean we don't really play in that world much yeah. um but i would imagine it is i mean with the whole like seo play and things mm -hmm. of that nature it's, it's definitely backlinks and all that stuff there's a lot of people that make a lot of money through that so sure yeah yeah, yeah definitely definitely um so for everyone listening to, obviously you, you started, you were at, you've done other jobs before starting kinship. Would you mind giving everyone a little bit of rundown of, of just the beginning of your career? Cause I think it's a really cool story from what you told me last time. 
Yeah, you gave me too much credit. It was really only one job. Um, I worked, uh, yeah, out of college. I went on a year-long mission trip, came home, and was wondering what the heck to do, uh, and stumbled upon a brand called Kalo, which most people think is pronounced Quelo. Yeah, it really. Is, I'm wearing mine this time. Yeah. Yep, the silicone wedding ring industry. Um, basically, a family friend that our families kind of grew up together had started it. I came home. It was kind of on the precipice of like booming. Um, in that same year, they went from like zero to 40 employees. Um, I was like in the teen somewhere and I was basically, I, I started on just like the lowest level possible, but within just because I kind of got grandfathered in, I was quickly like able to get on the marketing team. And I just started out as like the product seating guy, which is, oh, okay. I never heard of that term, but, um, the term literally just meant sending out free products. Uh, and I was. I was learning under a guy named Jordan Palmer, who's has, has a name for himself today, uh, in the NFL world. He's like a quarterback guru. Um, he played in the NFL. His brother was Carson Palmer. who played in the league for a long time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was learning under him and I was kind of, he was just basically tasking me like, Hey, I know NFL, I I'm dialed in there. I'm going to know everyone on every team, or at least know someone on every team. You got to get it into everybody's hands um in every other sport like these different categories so that became my first job which was basically like okay start damning minor league baseball players major league baseball players like nba guys uh firefighters you know like just all these different categories uh, mommy bloggers all i mean a wedding ring obviously the use case is endless uh yeah so we were getting into CrossFit heavy into that time. Um, so that was like a huge task of mine, but that was really my own only role was like make connections, offer to send them the product, get their size address and info information and send it out and just do this all day long. Wow. So you guys were, you guys just had a really big push to try to just get product in hand. Yeah. It sounds like, right. Well, also too, it was just like, it was a novel product, right? Like no one had ever seen a freaking rubber wedding ring right yeah for, and i'm sure I mean, the cost was low right like it didn't i can't imagine yeah. it cost a ton to just give out free product yeah no roi is there we never had a budget for seating i'll just put it okay. that way uh, yeah 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 i mean no, that's probably kind of fun wasn't it because i mean you were reaching out to some pretty interesting people and i'm sure having some dialogue whether it was them at their or their super people. fun yeah. super fun and and too i i played uh college basketball. And so it was kind of just one of those things where I felt like I was still able to kind of have that locker room feel of just like, sure. Hey, I'm just shooting the shit with these guys. And I, I just get to hit them up and offer free products. So of course I'm their favorite person. Like I'm not asking for anything. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not trying to say like, Hey, can you post seven times? And we're just really interested in you. And there was all these negotiations. It's just like, Hey, here's the Kalo guy. Um, so that kind of rode for the next year or so. And then pretty quick, Jordan was getting involved in other things. Didn't have the time to run really like the influence marketing program. So in the meantime, he was trying to raise me up to do everything at Kalo. And so over the course of time, it just, it began to be where I was trying to do the influence marketing program and doing it and launching it for every category while still continuing to see create relationships, but then it turned into fast forward. I was, you know, negotiating long-term contracts with Dale Earnhardt Jr. and getting the ring on Steph Curry and LeBron and all these different, oh, wow. you know, yeah. you know, huge names, um, everything in between. But, um, 
yeah, I was, you could say I was a very busy person. Um, I mean, that's pretty we wild investing. though. Just get, just get, just get thrown into that. Um, cause yeah. So you got the, you got the rings on people's hands and then obviously they must've loved it and reached back out. We're like, Hey, we should do a bigger deal together. Is that kind of how that works? Or I would follow up. I mean, sure. yeah, like they would ask for more product cause they would lose it in their locker room when they would travel or, uh, you know, just stuff like that. And then pretty soon it became, I'm not DMing them on Kalo Instagram. I'm just texting that all these people now. Oh, wow. Um, which was like even better. Um, because I was like the main, I was like the gatekeeper to, if they wanted to work with Kalo. Um, but that was our philosophy too. It was just like, man, get the product into their hands, no matter who they are, how big they are. We need them to like love the product. And what I come to found out too, is just, it led to way, way cheaper deals as well. Um, oh, did it really? I don't know that like, as far as like a first touch point, but just through experience dealing with agents too, you're not like, Hey, Dale Jr's agent. Uh, we're just this random watch brand that you've never heard of. We want to like work with you. Okay. It's a million dollars. <laughs> Versus sure. like Dale's yeah. going to the agent and saying, Hey, I want to work with these guys. Like, I love this product. You're just going to get cheaper rates. It just makes sense. Right. So, oh yeah, for sure. Um, oh, yeah, he's probably got all the poll, right? He's like, yeah, just make a deal with them. That makes sense. Did you, oh, did yeah, he, yeah. were you actually like texting like the Dale Earnhardt's of the world making like deals on, on what this would cost? Well, I wasn't texting Dale specifically, but, uh, <laughs> his agent and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it helps. But a lot of these too, like these longer term contracts, like end up being, you know, I was seating Dale and his agent for a year or so before we ever started having negotiations. Um, wild. So they're just a huge fan, um, by that point. So and how did it, how would a deal like that work? Like, I mean, there's gotta be a dollar that makes sense for Kalo. Uh-huh. And then yeah. are you guys figure trying to figure out like an ROI of like, what if we pay this guy X amount of dollars, you know? how much are we going to assume he's going to bring in in sales type of thing? Is it just, you're just kind of making some guesstimates and, and trying to figure out if it makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, on a, on a deal like that, it's multifaceted. It's not just like, Hey, we're going to pay you X amount of dollars for these amount of posts. We're going to give you a discount code and call it a day. Yeah. Um, it was like a half day photo shoot. It was an appearance. It was whitelisting access and usage rights. And I mean, a, a, someone like that, who's like a, American icon, like yeah. his signature and image and likeness is like pretty penny. So like we were using him to get into retail partnerships like Lowe's and Home Depot and oh yeah, REI of course. So we can put his image on end caps on a aisle and stuff like that. Like all these different right. things. There's so, so many convoluted, but we actually know total, total investment. Um, and the return was a 2.4 nice. investment. Okay. So, wow. And so I, it made I, sense. Yeah, no, it, it was. And then on a deal like that, that's honestly breaking even is good. <laughs> sure. Um, um, sure. Especially with someone with that kind of likeness. Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, cool he thing had is a, with that kind of product too, I would assume, sorry not to cut you off, but the, no, you're good. um, you know, I've had what, I mean, these things last a while, at least I, I work out in mine every day, but it's only like my third one. And I've had these since I got married. So 2017. So I've had two or three in five years, but I like, there's no reason for me not to keep buying them. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I love them. Totally. Nice to have. It's totally. like, you feel like you probably get, you know, as long as people are staying married, you're going to have <laughs> customers for a long time. Probably. That is, that is the thing. So keep them, keep them married. But, yep. Yep. 
Yeah, and Dale had his own like ring launch too. So he had like his own design on a ring as well. So that was kind of part of it. His retail sales were part of it, but all in, yeah, 2.4. That's so, wild. Very cool. So that, that, how long were you in that role for? Four years, four to five years. Okay. Um, so you were there for probably a lot of the major growth too. Yeah. I mean, they went, they got up to 40 million um, at its peak. And then wow. I was a little bit on the dip down. I was, that's when I was starting to think about exiting or yeah, me exiting, leaving. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just well, cause a of, lot of competition came in, right? I remember competition and, um, yeah, I mean, I won't speak to it just cause I wasn't behind the scenes, but, um, I can only guess just some of the decisions that were made that mm. brought the, brought the company down, but, um, uh, they ended up did, they did sell and like right after I left. Uh, so, oh, I didn't know that. Who yeah. Did they sell to, uh, a company called wind group. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Nice. I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Good for them. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so you, you're there for a while and then where did the idea for kinship come about while you're, you know, dealing with all these celebrities trying to sell wedding rings? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would say I started just getting restless with, I felt capped, um, at Kalo. And so I was just like, okay, do I want to go do influencer marketing for, the stances of the world or Nikes mm -hmm. or like, just like these bigger name brands and use my experience. Um, and then someone kind of dropped an idea on my lap to kind of just basically say, I think you should start your own influence marketing agency. Um, and I just, that, that thought never even came through my mind actually. So I'd like okay. to say like, oh my gosh, I've been a, have a dream of being an entrepreneur for four years. And I always knew I would start my own business. Yeah. Like, I talk to people like that all the time, but that was just not me for whatever reason. Um, I always was like a leader and stuff, but I just never associated with the word entrepreneur, or, like starting my own business. So it, it sure. prompted yeah. from someone else. And I actually kind of laughed in his face. So I was like, no, like that ain't. Oh, really? You told him it was a bad idea or no? I didn't say it was a bad idea, but I just kind of maybe laughed out of my own awkwardness or just like lack of confidence and like being able to do it. Um, but I ended up. I mean, this is a huge thing in business. I just was able to partner with, uh, my business partner now. Um, and yeah, we partnered up. We actually had a third business partner at the time. Um, we all partnered up together and yeah, this idea just kind of caught fire and the more I prayed about it, the more I just felt like, man, this is like the, th this is a no brainer. Like, like, um, so my business partner came from common thread collective. My, our third business partner at the time used to work with me at Kalo. Okay. Um, on yeah. the marketing team. And so we had, we had, uh, we had launched. And so I was just like, all right, yeah, let's, let's run it. Um, so it was, it was four months into my marriage. I was telling my now wife and being okay. like, Hey, I'm going to quit my job and we're going to start a company. <laughs> uh, but she was incredibly encouraging and super supportive and stuff like that, which was good. Uh, it made me feel a lot better. Yeah. That's a huge, huge part of it for sure, man. <laughs> I, I've been through that. That's uh, yeah, that's an important piece of the puzzle. Um, when you guys jumped, did you, I mean, did you, were you the type of people who had some crazy game plan before you started or did you kind of just start and figured it out as you went? We had an idea. I mean, we, we did the whole, like create a business plan. Here's our ethos and brand story. And like here, like we picked a name and we went through exercise and stuff like that. And all that was super fun, but 
Honestly, I feel like for people starting businesses, you're just, you're never going to like experience is the best teacher. You're just never going to know until you just start, like start, iterate later, just get yeah. going, um, try stuff, which is like, I think I heard the same advice when I was starting, but it was just really hard to wrap my head around, you know, you're just like, okay, that sounds good. But in the meantime, like we need to eat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There is something to be said about that. Right. Of just like, you can sit forever and ideate and try to come up with the perfect plan in you, in reality, it's, you need to go, whatever it is you're selling, whether it's a service or a product, you need to go see if it'll actually sell. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, so I would say like the first year it was a lot of that it was like a lot of like throw stuff on a wall and see what sticks, see what mm -hmm. people want. Um, and I would say, honestly, probably a year and a half in, we didn't really find it. Uh, until that point where we was like, okay, we have something here. Like we got some momentum. Now we just need to make it better. Iterate, yeah. find different things to make it more efficient. I mean, we're still doing that to, to a T. So, and for, and for you back then, did you, did you go cold Turkey and quit your job or did you kind of keep your job and do this on the side or how did you, how did you finance all of this in the beginning? Um, we did have a small, like when I say small, I, I mean, very small, uh, like seed round. It's oh, okay. even like, yeah. it's even like, a probably too much of a compliment to call it that. Um, it's like a friends and family donation. Yeah, you could say that. Uh, <laughs> and so that gave us a little bit of runway, um, of the first couple of months. Uh, but I, and I also was like in the process of exiting Kalo. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So there was like a month where I was like doing both, but it wasn't like the, do both for a year and do this on the side type of thing. It was kind sure. of just like, we need to, we need to all be in. And the other two were fully started. So it was kind of just waiting on me to get full time. So all three of you quit your full time jobs to get this off the ground. That's, that's, that's a lot of, uh, this is jumping right in. I love it. Yeah. Which reading Adam Grant lately, apparently that's not the best thing to do. Well, and why do you say that? I've never read any of his stuff. He, well, I guess based on like data, like, you, he, he, he mentions, um, the people in the people that started, uh, Warby Parker. Okay. I believe I could be wrong. I believe, but they were working their other jobs within like the first year while they were mm. starting getting Warby out, Parker off the ground. But like the common narrative is like, you're not going to be successful until you quit your other thing and just go all in on it. Right. But it's yeah. actually not the case apparently to a lot of other startups that end up being huge companies. Interesting. So, oh, it's interesting. I mean, it's, uh, probably depends on your stage of life too. Right. I mean, totally. Yeah. I think we've all heard a million stories about a college dropout who's probably not married <laughs> or any kids. Not that it's easier, but it's, you can always go back to the job and you're not really risking a whole lot. It's, it's tougher and tougher. I think as you get later on in life. I know someone told me that, um, I, I did like an entrepreneurship component of my college degree, my undergrad degree. And I remember someone and one of my professors explaining that and trying to like seed that to people of like, you know, just so you know, when you get out of here, like the next, really the next eight years is probably going to be like the highest likelihood that you'll take the risk. Yeah. And he went through this whole, like, you know, risk analysis thing. And I remember being like, oh, that's, you know, 30, that's forever away. It's like having, it's like two lifetimes from now, you know, when you're like 21 or 20 in college. <laughs> Um, it's funny though, it flies by and then you're like, shit, I'm married. We're about to have a kid. We have a house, a dog. Like, yeah, how can I risk, you know, quitting my job? It is, it's tough. It's tough, but good for you guys. I mean, that's, that's how it starts, right? You got to just make the jump, make the leap. What was the first 
few months like? I mean, you're talking about ideating and getting all this together, but did you guys get any early clients that kind of took a risk on you guys and and kind yeah. of helped you guys prove this out early on? Or how, how was the first getting the first few clients? So the the agency that, um, that we had an agency. It wasn't like a family of friends. We had an agency that like seed funded us. Oh, interesting. So okay. They ended up being like a little bit of a give us our first couple of clients, give us our trial run, stuff like that. Okay. Um, so that kind of got our feet wet for the first couple of months, able to just do the thing. And then we were kind of, for lack of a better phrase, off the nip. Uh, yeah. And yeah. we were quickly on our own. So we we're just trying to, yeah, hustle, um, <laughs> kill what you eat. So, or eat what you kill. Yeah. 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 Very cool. So that that's interesting though. Was it an agency in the same space or was it just someone you guys knew in a different kind of agency world? Um, kind of both. Um, okay. yeah, it was the, it was basically the agency that my business partner had just come from. Mm. Um, and so they were the ones that invested and we were able to, um, kind of keep that relationship close. Oh, that's really cool. What a, what yeah. a great, it's a good example of not burning any bridges. Cause you never know what you're, you yeah. know, who you're going to run into next. Right. That's, that's awesome. That's true. That's true. And then early on for you guys, um, I know the one thing I, I really appreciate and for everyone, we'll, we'll add links uh, to the show notes to, t to get everyone to be able to check out Kinship. But one thing I just wanted to tell you right off the bat is I'm, I was really impressed with your website. Like one thing it's funny that me and my partner, business partner always talk about is we just got ours up and off the ground. Kind of what you were saying of just like, just start. And so that was one of the things that we put low priority. Like we're not going to put a lot of time and energy into it because that's just, that we didn't prioritize that. Yeah. Um, but you guys, I mean, your website is killer. Do you think I, and I feel like for your agency and your business, it's really important because someone that comes to it, like gets a really clear, quick understanding of what they're buying into. Um, how much of just like your website and part of your brand story does this encompass? Like, was this a big focus up front? Cause it, it seems like in the influencer marketing space, this is a pretty big, important part. Yeah. Well, we actually, that's our third version of our website. So okay. what you see today, um, for the, I honestly forget what our first website looks like. Um, but I appreciate the compliment. Uh, we've, we definitely, uh, we redid our website about last year. Um, but the website, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm trying to get back in the brain of like first year. Um, man, honestly, what comes to mind is you're, you're just trying to work networks, referrals, and, uh, people that know you like you, um, and you can tell, Hey, this is what I'm up to. We started this agency. This is what we're doing. Um, trying all the different vehicles. So I started posting a ton of content on, on Instagram, actually LinkedIn. Um, and then we found Twitter and Twitter became like our number one source of leads. So we're, Oh, wow. At that point we we're just kind of like, all right, well let's, uh, and this is for brands, that. like brands finding you. Right. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Or, okay. you know, just kind of people working at brands, whether that be the CEO or CMO or head of growth, that type of thing. So what, uh, for you guys, I'm just super curious, what, what kind of content were you guys posting that drew that attention? Literally just influence marketing best practices and our recommendations, our process, what we're doing. Um, uh, we we're just explicitly clear on this is exactly what we're doing. Give them all the steps to do it and copy it. And then they would still want us to do it. 
So it's, it's... Uh, who who I feel like uh, is that a Gary V thing? Didn't he coin that exact same thing too? Like just give everyone, give for free, give for free, and you know people will then look at you as someone who obviously knows what the hell they're doing. So like give them the keys versus just trying to copy them. It's yeah, that's really I'm sure... cool though. Good for you guys. I'm sure there's people in there that uh, thank you. I'm sure there's people in there that you know actually do it they like take it and they're like thanks and then do it for themselves but that's great too um so it's helping helping everybody yeah i was gonna say i mean you know even if there are that that's uh did that did that feel like a risk at all when you guys first started posting that stuff did you ever think like oh people are just gonna steal our stuff and not hire us was that ever a thought yeah i mean it, to, to be honest it's still kind of a thought sometimes you're just like when you when you put something out so public on social media and just basically like give them the blueprint it's hard not to be like not to have that inside of i it would just be safer if i hoard this and you're only going to find it if we do it for you um, yes so that temptation is always there i'm not gonna lie but mm -hmm. we've just seen time and time again giving people the the keys like like what you're saying that it leads to business it's not everyone that likes a tweet obviously but sure sure um people are consuming it so yeah no that's really really cool um since so you you guys have been running kinship for how long again remind me it's been four years in january so almost, four years in almost four okay. years almost four years what has there been you know if you think about over the last four years and i'm sure it's hard to remember all of them i'm sure you've worked with lots of different clients and have had lots of good and bad have what would you say is there anything that stands out as just the biggest surprise um, when you think back to to working at Kalo and then making the leap to now, like looking back and like, yeah, that was that was a hurdle or that was a challenge that you didn't foresee. Mm. Yeah, honestly, what comes to mind, and this is going to maybe disappoint people, but um, I was just talking with someone the other day, and he was asking me, like, do you actually regret any business decision? And I was just saying, actually, you actually don't because even if it's a failure, it's like a, a great learning experience. And if it's a success, you can iterate it and make it even better. Um, and there's feedback. So it's, it's almost like it's a win-win on everything. Obviously no one likes to fail. So it's like a shot to the ego. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, so I mentioned in the first year that third partner was no longer part of our company. So I would say that's a huge lesson and that was a surprise um, and a, a difficult thing, you know, to mm -hmm. like have a partner want to leave and also kind of be mutually aligned and we're going to go our separate ways. This isn't really a fit for you. It's not a fit for us. It's not healthy for anybody. Let's, let's part ways. And the good thing it was, it was pretty much mutual. Um, didn't, didn't anticipate that one in the first year okay. of the company. So it, oh, it was within the first year too. So this wasn't like recent this yeah. was right away. What was, I mean, without sharing any details, you don't want to, what was, what was kind of the lesson learned? And I guess the, the component of that, that you look back on, it was a surprise. Know who you're partnering with. Yeah. Okay. Um, without, yeah, without going into detail, I think just being able to assess, is this person going to have my back? Is this person going to going to do everything in their power to make it successful. And if Got not, it. yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of sports analogies to be honest. Like just, mm -hmm. I don't know if you played sports, but, um, I did. Just, yeah. Yeah. Like just having teammates that some teammates that 
if they weren't pulling their end of the weight, like that's a huge problem. <laughs> you yeah, know, like yeah, I can't yeah. trust this person. I can't like do all these different things. And so, um, and you can only do so much before. I mean, if you're like partnering with random people, that would just be a huge concern if you don't know their character and the way that that's going to, but if you have some proof of concept, um, I'll just make sure that that's the same page as much as possible before you jump in. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And I, I'm curious, I've never, I've never started anything with three people. I, I'd be curious from your perspective, three, like the business I'm in now, my co-founder, like we have a really good yin and yang and we've known that yeah. for a lot of years. So it, it seemed like a no brainer when we, we came together that we thought we'd be good co-founders. Yeah. But I've always thought a third would be an interesting dynamic, especially <laughs> if you're remote, because it's like, what if you're in touch with one more than the other? How do you like, yeah. I don't know. I always feel like with three people, it creates a diff. It's, it's like another totally different dynamic of each person has a relationship with the other one. That's different. And then you three have a relationship together. That's unique. It's a different, yeah. totally different thing than two, I would assume. Yeah. And I know businesses that have even more than that, which is crazy to me. So I can't even imagine that. Um, it's, and especially if everyone has an even share, <laughs> right? If there's yeah. like not one person that's kind of got a little bit of the lead and they have the final say. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But it, yeah. I mean, it is like another marriage. So it is, you're, you're working through stuff. You're having tough conversations all the time. So definitely, um, definitely. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, I mean that, yeah, that's a huge one. Um, what has been, what's been the biggest like surprise or what, what gets you up every morning that keeps you so excited? You know, that you've been into it for almost four years. Um, I'd be curious to know that as a, you know, you've been owning a business for quite a long time now. It's a good question. I think I, we're still, we're still small, even though we've been around for four years. So I think the growth potential, uh, and hitting goals is incredibly motivating. Um, I think the ethos of what we're preaching as an agency, which is like generosity at the end of the day is mm. really powerful. Um, it's like I mentioned at the very beginning, we do things a lot different than influencer like traditional influence marketing agencies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think the fact that we're different and we're, we have more competition now than we did a, even a couple of years ago or a year ago, um, that that's always motivating. Um, you know, we got mouths to feed that's motivating. Like there's a lot Definitely. of motivating yeah. factors too. Like, so all of that's a, a melting pot. And I think like, I mean, I'm sure you feel this too. Just the fact that it's mine. And Definitely. you're responsible yeah. for stewarding it is motivating in and of itself. You know, like I shouldn't be doing this if I didn't feel like that pull to like, Hey, this is mine and it's time to make it better, share it with the world and get more clients and just stuff like that, you know? Definitely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, love that answer. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> no, seriously. That's great. Um, so for, we kind of talked about what kinship does, um, obviously, I mean, that's really interesting hearing a little bit more about the, the, the zero to one of getting it off the ground for brands that could be listening today. What is, what's a relationship look like with kinship? And I know you said you guys like to think of yourselves as approaching this, this agency world that you live in very different than a lot of the other agencies. So just give everyone that's listening a little bit of a run through of, of exactly what that relationship looks like with you guys and why it's so different. Yeah. Um, I mean, the relationship looks like, like a typical agency client relationship where we're taking the labor and work off their plate and doing it for them. 
um, which in influencer marketing looks like IDing influencers, reaching out to them, getting them the product, all that labor that takes a lot of time, um, giving them reporting calls, all that stuff, which is standard. Uh, the way that we go about doing that is very different from the rest of the industry and the fact that we uh, offer them the product or our client's product, no strings attached. Mm. So we don't actually ask for anything. So that came from my days at Kalo. Um, and what you end up getting is a ton of content posted about you even still without us even asking. And then we leverage that content within paid media. That's kind of like our two services. So we use influencer seeding mechanisms and campaigns to generate a ton of content, which gives the clients a lot of ad creative, which they're happy. And it's a huge pain point nowadays. Um, yeah. and then we leverage that content on paid social. Um, so, and then the long-term effect is like these brands actually have authentic, genuine community around them that they can continue to tap on. So, so you guys essentially help the brands connect with these influencers, get free product in their hands. And then these influencers may or may not post about it. Is that kind of the, the is that kind of where the may or may not, but we have certain expectations cause we do it like we outreach to 500 influencers. We expect a hundred at a minimum to get product and we expect 30 to post two or three times out of that a hundred. Oh, wow. Okay. That's pretty good conversion odds. That's great. Yeah. So we've just found these, you know, we talk about iteration. It, that package used to start at 300 and then we added more influencers. We found the sweet spot of conversion rate and all these different things. And, and we see brands, you know, blow those metrics out of the water all the time, but that's kind of just the minimum expectations that we set and Got that it. we yeah, want to see, sense. like they're kind of the benchmark and then mm -hmm. anything above that is great. Um, so yeah. And then what, what, this is something I've always been curious because I feel like this world has changed so much, but let's just talk about maybe like Instagram first. What would be what, like influencer, like, is there numbers of followers that you guys as an agency, like you must live by, like what, what denotes, you know, small influencer to a larger influencer. Yeah. And is that always changing and moving? It seems like a, a barometer that can never be the same. Well, there's just like, everybody has their own definition. So if you Google tier influencer marketing, tiers of influence or tiers of following, like you're going to get 25 different definitions. We have our own. Sure. So like micros are between five and 150 K. Um, but oh, that's a pretty any... big range. Five grand, five K to 150 K is micro. Yeah. Um, the reason, the reason it's broad is on purpose just cause we don't put a lot of stock in follower account. So, oh, okay. Sure. And yeah. why is that? Cause the number one value out of an influencer is their content ability. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's their number one value asset, which has nothing to do with their followers. We so just even think someone like, like, even someone like me, you're saying if I had, if I had really good, valuable content that I create, but my follower count right now is really low. You're, you're banking on the contents being good over time. That could totally change. Like yeah. And most, and the, most of these micro influencers have built their following based off that content, not because mm. of their clout. Um, and so when we have proof of concept and we put the product in their hands and if they enjoy the product, they're going to post similar content to that oh, so that okay. we can repurpose. Sure. Um, so, I mean, a simple way to think about it is just like a, uh, one stock versus a diversified portfolio. Like uh -huh. the one stock would be like their organic social channels. Like I'm really relying on Shane to promote that content to his audience. But it's, that's a problem just because not that it's not important, but it's just, it's really hard to that content to be seen by a lot of different people. Um, sure. And, and convert ultimately sales, right? 
yeah. a diversified portfolio is the brand has all these different channels that they can repurpose this content. So whether that be on Amazon, for example, or YouTube or on Facebook ads, which is where we live. Um, so email, like all these different marketing channels, like you have a marketing mix that you can place this content. So that's where you can kind of get that diversified portfolio effect. Got it. Okay. Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah. That makes a, I guess that makes a ton of sense though. Um, I know, I think I might've told you the story when we connected last time, but <clears throat> when I was at RX, we paid, um, Oh, I'm blanking on his name. Oh, Vinny from Jersey shore. <laughs> yeah. We, when he was like really pushing the, the keto Guido thing, cause that was like, oh, the, I remember when he was going ham on all that, <clears throat> we launched a nut butter product that we, we gave him <laughs> and I, and I, I'm blanking now on the dollar value, but I remember getting told how much we were paying him for a single post and about having a heart attack as the finance guy responsible for this and being like for one post. And I will never forget. I, and I might butcher this number, but I remember being really small. I want to say it was like two or five conversion total. We got oh, from this gosh. campaign and this campaign was, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, uh, to do. Oh a post. my gosh. Yeah. It was like, I mean, it was bad. It was, it was not good. Um, there are many stories like that, my friend. Yeah, I'm sure. Which is, makes total sense why you do what you do. Um, so that's really interesting. So do you, and do you guys, without getting into, into the weeds of, of the detail behind what you guys do, but I'd be curious, like, do you guys lean heavier to like micro influencers or do you kind of have a mix of that and larger influencers or like, where's it's, the sweet spot for you guys? Yeah. It's everyone. It's everyone in that range. Five to 150 K that's who we okay. outreach to. Got it. Oh, um, so once they're above that, it's kind of a different ball game. Yeah. We've just found, I mean, I'm, if someone has 151,000 followers, I'm sure it's no different, but it's just kind of like the pool of people we're picking from. Um, we don't rep talent or anybody. We're just finding the right people on behalf of the brand. Got it. So cause yeah. then I'm assuming if, if you're a, someone on Instagram, who's got hundreds, if not a million followers, is that like, do those people just leverage their accounts so differently from like a monetization perspective? Like they're just, it's just a totally different thing, right? Yeah. And you have, you have agents in there, like the person's not even managing their own account. Um, it's just a, it's a whole different world. Okay. Yeah. It makes tons of sense. I know I, I, I do, I work with, uh, I work with one brand that I don't want to get in the details of it, but I know we've struggled with, they, they work with someone who's got a pretty, pretty large following and, and you can tell that it's like, they're, they're really not even in, in the account. You, you can right. tell it's not even their content. It's wild that some of these people get to that place. And that's just, it's like someone else is totally, it's a business. It's not even their Instagram anymore. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so for you, I mean, you're four years in for, do you feel like you're at a place where obviously, as you just mentioned, you know, setting goals and continuing to try to grow the agency sounds like it's still a, it's obviously a, a huge thought for you every day. Um, but where do you see the agency going? Do you have any other aspirations or things you're trying to attach yourselves onto over the next one, three, five years? It's a really hard question. I know. Cause that, that it's like, who knows it's so far away, but we'd just be curious where your head's at. Yeah, I think the way the world's going, the more that you can automate and make it uh, done for you and done with you, um, and like, and do it yourself. So like, DFY, DWI, and DIY. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So like, I think that's a goal of ours is to make it a DIY place where where brands can come and emulate our process. Oh, um, cool. It's more like themselves. a platform. Yeah. I hesitate saying that word just because there's so many freaking platforms out in influence marketing. Um, sure. But yeah, ways that we can 
automate the system and the process that we've built out for people. Very cool. That one, I, I can imagine that just adds a scale that's nearly impossible when you have hands to keyboards, right? Like that's a totally different thing. Right. Exactly. Got it. Totally makes sense. Um, how many people are on the team today? We have like 10 or so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's pretty good size. Yeah. We're small. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, it's, it's just small interesting. Nimble. Yeah. Especially when you're remote, has it been a challenge for you guys just having a remote team? I've kind of gotten used to it. I, I, it's, it's weird at first, but, um, yeah, there's still like, I mean, there's people that have been with us two, almost two years and they've I've never met them in person. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 So there's no need. I mean, there's no need unless you really want to, it's right? Crazy. It's crazy how we can get so much done remotely now. Yeah. I mean, this whole, this whole podcast has been remote. It's a, that's a good example. I think I've done like almost 200 episodes and I've, I've met like three or four of these people in person. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's so rad. And at the same it's, time, I wish we were in the same living room. I know. It, I it know. just adds a different dynamic. hundred um, percent. I know but, I'm, I'm with you. There is a, there's a, you can get so much more done when you're remote. I feel like personally, like whether you want to mm -hmm. spend it on work or not on work or whatever you want to need to do, want to do. Yeah. Um, but there is, there is a component. I mean, I, I think you and I talked about it a little bit. I mean, back when we had an office, even the first one, which was a tiny office for RX bar that I was a part of, there was something about it that it's just like impossible to emulate virtually. Like it's, Oh my gosh. Yeah. The same hustle and bustle Kayla. and yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure the exact same thing. Yeah. You probably have stories from that. That's like impossible to recreate in, 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 uh, the virtual workspace. Can't, can't it's wild, wild. Um, all right. So I know as we're, we're getting lower on time, Cody, the last few questions I love to ask every founder that comes on here and I'm pumped to hear yours. I know you're going to have some good ones. Um, the first one is around source of knowledge. So always love to ask if you have any, you know, books, podcasts, articles, anything you've read recently that just really made an impact to you that you'd like to share with the listeners today. Um, I don't read much business specific books these days. I don't think anybody's short on those though. Um, but I'm a big Adam Grant fan. So any, any books that he has, I would highly recommend. Um, think again is a great one. Um, I haven't read any of his books. You mentioned him earlier in the podcast and I wrote it down. I'm going to, I'm going to get some of his stuff. What's, yeah. what's your favorite book of his? You said think again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, Simon Sinek. I mean, I guess that's, that's a class good. more yeah, like leadership style. So yeah. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. I will add, uh, I'll add one of those to the show notes, uh, to, to one of his books. Um, the next one, this is my favorite. What do you use daily, uh, to get shit done? So are you a pen and paper guy? I know you have a, see you have a whiteboard behind you. Do you use some apps? What do you, what do you use to just organize your life, get shit done and hit your goals? Honestly, Google Calendar. Where where would I be without a freaking automated calendar? HubSpot. Um, big fan of HubSpot. Uh, I have the Full Focus Planner. No way, man. Yeah, Michael Hyatt. I got, I got the same one on my. I have a couple over here. They're all around. That old ones. It's turned into just. I just write random stuff on there that I need to get done. I haven't really used like the daily big three and tasks in a while. So I don't really use the structure much anymore. Okay. Okay. Did you at uh, one point? I did. You're the, you're the first person who I've ever interviewed who's, who's mentioned that and I've been using it for a long time. Yeah, I used to, um, I probably could, it would probably help to get back to it. Um, my, my partner and I used to have like check in on like, Hey, what's your big three for today? 
What's your big fear? Oh. And we actually do it with our employees. So we've applied that to our employees. They have like a Slack channel called Big Three. They give their Big Three for the week. So we've we've used it, but now I feel like a, a fraud because I don't want I don't use it myself. So you know what's it's it. funny you there say you that. I I started using it right when I got my business off the ground. And I always go back to it and saying like I genuinely think, you know, no tool is gonna like is going to outwork just hustle and working hard and doing something every day. But I, it, it like made me visualize what the goal was and then what's that mean weekly. And then how do you get a little thing done at least once a day to get towards your goal. And I genuinely, I do give it some credit on, I think it helped me get my venture off the ground. And then I've mm-hmm. not used it. I'm kind of in the same boat as you, where I like kind of use it sort of ish. Yeah. And I, sometimes I feel a little lost cause I still have, I have a lot on like Google sheets that I, and I always blame there's, there's, our business has gotten to a place where there's just so many things going on that I can't use that journal anymore. But I think yeah. that's the whole point. It, the whole point of it was there's so much going on. How do you boil the ocean to what's really important, right? So it's like, I go. feel like a fraud too, because I'm like, that, that's the whole point of it is when you're overwhelmed, just write All it right. down and we'll do We'll keep each three. other accountable. Send me an Deal. email with your big three tomorrow. All right, there we go. Deal, we'll check in, Cody. We're going to keep yeah. each other on track. Uh, I love go. that one. Um, the last question and most important question is, is how can listeners, brands, anyone listening, get a hold of you personally? So if they want to follow you on any socials or websites, anything you want to promote, and then how can people get involved with kinship? Uh, I'll answer the, both questions with the same answer. Just connect with me on Twitter at Cody underscore Wittick, um, and DM me there. So we can connect on Twitter. That's probably just the easiest way to connect with my agency too. I can answer okay. any questions or. Even if you're not interested in hiring us, happy to be a resource for influencer marketing. Love it. Awesome. Well, Cody, thanks for the time today, man. Really appreciate it. And um, hope you have a great rest of your day. Appreciate the time. Thanks, Shane.